Hey everybody, welcome back to the Empire State Conservatives Podcast. It is me, your host, Evan, here with special guest and friend of the show, Luke Negron. Luke, thanks so much for coming back on the show, man. It's been a while. Evan, what's up, brother? It has been a while. Well, nothing good here in New York, but guys, before we get into the mess of everything that's been going around, just want to remind everybody to please visit our website, EmpireStateConservatives.com. There are links to all of our shows there, as well as merchandise, the proceeds of which go back into fighting leftist tyranny here in New York, and then maybe one day in the rest of the country. But we really need a lot of help here in New York. It is very, very, very bad. And as always, don't forget to go to RedLibertyMedia.com. Very good friends of the show there. We've been working with them for a while. A lot of big news coming out of there in January. You will see that then. But, Luke, let's get into it. All right. What's been going on in the news? Alec Baldwin, um, a very tragic situation for the family of, obviously, the uh, cinematography director who was killed. But something that was completely avoidable. And there are constantly new reports coming out about this saying that gun safety was not being practiced on this set. And Baldwin, as an executive producer does retain some sort of liability, but even as the person who pulled the trigger, he violated every single rule of gun safety. And now you have other people in Hollywood, you have other actors coming out and say, you don't take anyone's word for it, that the it's a cold gun, right? That the gun right. is not loaded with live rounds, which once again is like the number one is not like it is That's the number it. one rule of gun safety is yes. to treat every firearm as if it is loaded. Luke, I mean, they're talking about charges in terms of, you know, negligent manslaughter, but it's it seems so much like he's just going to get off on this. But if a regular citizen had done something like this, where it was an accident that especially he and the rest of the Hollywood elite would be calling for them to be nailed to the cross. Where do you see this going? hundred percent. No, I completely agree. So I think. Uh, I, so I've seen some people, very few, saying like, well, you know, m maybe he's actually a murderer now. I don't think that's the case. But I do think that for any average citizen who didn't have a celebrity last name and specifically a leftist celebrity last name, they would be held liable under the law to a certain extent. Um, perhaps not called a murderer, but a uh, negligent manslaughter, um, something that would stick with them, haunt them for the rest of their lives. And that would also demand some kind of, of um, recompense, some kind of repayment, not only to the family, but but to society for this level of negligence and, and this uh, this mistake. Uh, so absolutely. I mean, that is under the law. If we're all going to live in a free society where the law applies to everybody, not just uh, the, the peons, uh, that's what should happen. It's an open and closed case. And like you said, I think uh, if there's one big, big lesson to take away from this, it's gun safety. Sadly, that's not what I expect the media to do. But uh, but gun safety should be should be something that we can all learn from this. Yeah, I mean, and again, this is a tragedy for the family of the woman who was killed. But this it it feels like this big karmic thing where he they can't even. You know, you can't even call for more gun laws because this is on the set of a movie. So this has right. nothing to do with gun laws. It has nothing to do with any of that other stuff. This all has to do with people on the set, very specifically Alec Baldwin, because even if everyone else did everything wrong, if he had just done the right thing, that woman would still be alive. That's because right. everyone knows when you are handed a gun. And first of all, they're talking cold gun means that it has blanks. Everyone else is saying cold gun means that the gun is completely unloaded. And still, you are supposed to open the gun, check the barrel, and yes. the revolver, check the cylinder. Yes. No, no one did any of that. So it, it's, it's just pretty wild. It, it's it's ridiculous that he, they're even that there's 
I can't believe that he that they are trying to shift the blame. They really are trying to shift the blame yes. to this armorer, yes. prop master, and the term prop gun, which is being thrown around, is absolutely ridiculous. It's not a prop gun. It's a real gun. If it if fires live rounds, it's, it's a gun. It's got a barrel that is not uh, that doesn't have cement poured down it. It's not a prop gun. That's a that is a real functional. Uh, a possibly deadly weapon, right? If it's if you throw a live round in there, it becomes a deadly weapon. Uh, that's what it was. And so there are some real questions, right? For for Alec Baldwin and for the makers of, of this production, uh, why was a functioning gun given a live round and pointed at somebody in a lethal manner and then the trigger pulled? Those are some huge steps that needed to happen for this tragedy to occur. Um, and I'm not I'm not throwing accusations here. All I'm saying is there are big questions that need to be answered around every single one of those steps. Uh, and then a, a little point on hypocrisy here is, of course, Alec Baldwin, uh, before this tragedy, was historically anti-gun, and yet he's okay making millions, acting in movies like Mission Impossible, acting in this movie, aggrandizing firearms. But once it comes to the actual um, acting out of the lifestyle or the actual living out of the lifestyle, all of a sudden he's got this conflict. I think that's a bit of hypocrisy there. It would be like a Christian, you know, speaking about um, monogamy and, and, but then acting in movies where they, they show illicit sex and, and, and hooking up all the time. You, you would say there's a little bit of a conflict there, right? In the way they live and what they, what they preach to make money. So, so there's hypocrisy and questions all around, all around the situation to me. Oh, 100%. And I think that it's it's just, it's all around, it's just complete negligence on a level so high that someone is now dead. And it can, this should not be swept under the rug. And if anyone had done this, listen, I don't like Alec Baldwin. I don't like really like him as an actor. I think he was really only good in 30 Rock. But in everything else, he's kind of like, eh. But that's not even the point. This could be, this could have happened to Chris Pratt, who I, who I love and think is awesome. And I'd mm -hmm. still be like, this is criminal negligence. What happens Anytime yes. that you are yes. handed a firearm, you are supposed to treat that firearm as if it is loaded, as if it is a deadly weapon. Listen, I own several firearms. I have dry fire systems installed in one of my firearms. I still don't point that firearm at another person. Nope. It, it has a plastic tube inside of it and a plastic magazine. I know it is 100% unloaded. I still will never point it at a human being. It is just, it's one of those rules that you can't break. And because they don't respect firearms, because they don't respect the rights of this country, because you don't respect just the gun and you just treat everything like it's a game. You have these hollow people who play pretend their entire lives. Well, guess what? It just got real. It yes. just got really real because you thought that you were going to skate through your whole life just playing pretend. And now someone is dead. And I feel like there, there's definitely... the price for this. It can't just be a settlement. I'm sorry. There has to be some sort of criminal charge. There has to be something going on with this. Because otherwise, Agreed. as the left loves to say, it's not justice. Absolutely. And what we see, though, sadly, in, in justice, and I will throw up air quotes here, justice in the United States today, is that it does depend, number one, what your last name is, and number two, who your friends are. A perfect example is Hillary Clinton, right? I'm in the military. I know that uh, another friend to this show, Gabe, is in the military. Um, if either he or I did what Hillary Clinton did with her classified information being leaked, all that storage, all those issues, we would be absolutely charged under the UCMJ and possibly worse. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go as far as to guess what exactly would happen, but absolutely those charges would be brought. But again, we come back to your friends and your last name 
can protect you. That's, in my opinion, what, what, what I think we, we will sadly see happening uh, with Alec Baldwin and, in my opinion, what happened with Hillary Clinton. And the other thing I, I just say is that you hit on a, a, the, the nail on the head when you said you should never be pointing that gun at someone, squeezing that trigger. It, anyone who has ever gone to a range, been in the military or gone hunting should have the hair all up and down their back stick up when they see a gun pointing at someone or in their own hands. It's not funny. It's not a joke. It's not to be taken lightly. When you've seen what that can do, you do not do it unless you are intending to kill what you're pointing at. Um, and and I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, this, this mistake didn't even happen during a take. You can't even say, oh, it was the middle of an action scene. And I believe this happened back backstage is that or behind the camera so to speak right i think they were setting up a shot yeah that's what they were doing and but that's the other thing it's not even that he pointed the gun at someone had a live round in it you're not filming why are you pulling the trigger while the gun is pointed at somebody it's just he's constantly doing things and this what this is what happens and again i think it's a broader mentality of not even just people on the left because i know people on the right who are very afraid of guns if you don't learn if you're not educating yourself if you're not willing to you know respect the firearm and respect what is what it what it can do and what it is capable of you get this nonsense right with the anti-gunners with the 30 round magazine clip that shoots 3,000 rounds with one trigger pull <laughs> but it's a 30 round magazine so how can it shoot 3,000 rounds with one trigger right, pull right and they don't respect it so guess what it's a game they play their game and they make their laws that don't actually do anything and they think it's all a game and now it's not a game now someone is dead and we see what happens. It's, you know, people you need see, to be educated. People need to have respect for the firearm. Amen. Your points are spot on. You put a nice tip on it there by saying um, it's a game to them. And that comes back around, though, to what we were saying about hypocrisy. When you treat a situation like a hypocrite who doesn't care to know the specifics or the reality of the situation, this type of thing is more likely to happen. So Alec Baldwin knows nothing about guns, speaks out against guns, but uses guns all the time to make money. And he's not educated in them. And sadly, tragically, someone else pays the price in a setting like this. He thought it was a game. He thought it was something he could score points for on one side, on the political side, but make money by on the other side, on the Hollywood side. And and look what happened. I, I mean, it, it's it's absolutely something that is not a game that was treated as such. And it's, it's awful. All right, let's use that to transition to the other side of the political spectrum. Someone who is does not have a uh, famous last name, someone who did not treat a firearm as a toy, but also did commit a, uh, well, it's a homicide, whether justified or not. Obviously, the courts are going to determine. We both know exactly what it was because we've seen the video and we've we've seen the circumstances. But, you know, Kyle Rittenhouse, the trial is set to begin very, very soon. The judge has already come out and said, which is 100% true, um, that the prosecutors cannot refer to the men who were killed as victims. And yes. the left is all up in arms. Why can't they be victims? Because calling them victims is assuming that they are innocent in this and that Kyle Rittenhouse is already guilty. So you yep. can't call them victims. You have to prove the, the, the prosecution has to prove that these men were victims. And there's already so much evidence besides even the video, right? The left loves to talk about video, especially with regards to like George Floyd and all these other things, the video, the yes. video, the video, yes. Kyle Rittenhouse, they ignore the video. It's oh, right. he was 17. Uh, he doesn't even live there. Uh, he lives in a different state. Watch the video. Yeah. Watch the video. That's what you need to know in terms of the self-defense, okay? It is 
it, it's unbelievable to me that this even went to trial. And we discussed this a little bit before the show. So I want you to give your take to the folks at home about this Kyle Rittenhouse trial, why it's going forward, and what you believe the outcome should be. Yeah, so it's been a while since I dug deep on this because it happened, what, I want to say six months ago or so. Uh, and I took a deep dive then. Uh, from my understanding then and from video presentations with citations that I've seen since then, um, him having that gun was not illegal, according to, to state code. Actually, the, the state code that many leftists cite saying it was illegal goes on to specifically give a provision for why it was okay for him to have it. So it's selective editing. It's, it's um, you know, cherry picking of, of facts, even when it comes to the law and the presentation and application in this case. So that's number one. Um, number two is that Kyle Rittenhouse absolutely did not use that that gun as, as a toy in a game or anything. Like you said, love him or hate him, the kid used that gun with precision. I think he fired a handful of shots and every single one of them hit. He wasn't spraying into crowds. He wasn't spraying and praying down the street. Um, and then point number three would be, if I'm if my memory serves me correctly, every single one of these men who was killed or shot was a, a, a legitimate criminal. One of them was a sexual predator and the other one, I, I believe, was a, a violent criminal. Um, these And they were attacking Kyle Rittenhouse. He was not chasing them. He was running away from them to the police and with, with his gun controlled, not pointed at them, trying to get away. And they first the guy chased him down. Like you said, watch the video. You see the guy chasing him down in the car lot. And then the other people start chasing him after he shoots that initial attacker uh, and the mob's chasing him down the street. So watch the video. I mean, your take is, is perfectly appropriate here. Go watch that. Go read the actual laws. And I think you'll be a little bit less shocked when, when it, the, the verdict comes back not guilty. Yeah, and I honestly believe that this prosecutor knows for a fact that there is no chance that there's a conviction on this. It, it It's unbelievable to think that there could be. First of all, the guy who he shot in the arm, the guy whose bicep he like blew off, had a gun in his hand. That's right. Yeah. Like, how can you not assume that your life is in danger when a grown man is chasing you with a gun? And yes. he's being assaulted by some guy with a skateboard. He, again did way more than anyone is required to do in that state to defend themselves. He ran. Bro, listen, if I was in his situation and I had a dude running at me with a Glock and another guy trying to hit me with a skateboard, I don't think I'm running away. Yeah. I'm thinking I'm taking the shot because I'm not willing to risk that the guy with the Glock is not going to shoot. He's not going to pull first. Yeah, absolutely. And, and when they're showing aggression, encroaching on you like that, putting your life at reasonable uh, a consideration for risk or for loss of life. His response was, like you said, more than patient, more than appropriate. And that's to say nothing about the fact that these two criminals were grown men running after and assaulting this individual who, if you look at the videos from earlier that night, was actually out there helping people. He had medical kits. He was there. There is video evidence of him saying that he's out there trying to help people. I believe it was his former employer or his friend who owned that lot. He was out there to protect that and help the injured. And uh, and then and then things got escalated by these rioters. And I'm going to use a word that the left loves to use by these insurrectionists because insurrection is an armed uprising against an authority, against an established authority. It's an armed or violent uprising. That's exactly what BLM and Antifa did for months uh, last year through 2020. So the insurrection did last for months. 
Uh, it was it was by by and, and far away by the le- hands of leftists. And uh, and that's what he was in the midst of that night. Yeah, it's it's absolutely unbelievable. And once again, I just want to reiterate, because this episode is very gun heavy in the beginning and we're kind of going just more into detail. We're not in mourning for any of these people. I'm not even in mourning for the cinematographer who was killed by Alec Baldwin. We are looking at this from a legal perspective, from a gun yeah. safety perspective. And obviously any loss of life is that is unnecessary is tragic. But Kyle Rittenhouse did not have a choice. His life, first of all, like I said before, I don't even know if I would have retreated because someone running at you with a handgun is presenting deadly force to you. You turn yeah. your back, you might get shot in the back. It is very dangerous to turn your back on somebody who is running at you with a gun. So once again, we are not making light of the fact that people die. We are looking at this from a legal perspective before we get, you know, canceled by, you know, taken off YouTube and censored again yeah. by everyone yeah. else in the entire no, world. No, absolutely. Look, none of the, even the, the people who are assaulting Kyle, um, I don't find their deaths amusing. I don't find them funny. I don't find them cute. Um, but whether whether we're talking about the sad, negligent death or a death that's downstream of negligence at the hands of Alec Baldwin and whoever else played into that situation, uh, which seems to be exactly what happened, or these deaths uh, after the assault of Kyle Rittenhouse, uh, we have to talk about the facts. Uh, and like you said, I, I think that there's there's a respect for life um, and, and that should never be taken away. But right now we're talking about it from a what happened, what should happen as a result of what happened and who's to blame perspective. And, and so I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. And we and we talked about this when we went over the uh, the shooting in Columbus, Ohio, uh, me and Gabe, when we talked about the police officer who had to save the life of a teenage girl by shooting another teenage girl. Listen, when you put yourself in that situation, you're going to, again, they say stupid games and win stupid prizes. It's not a game. If you are presenting deadly force on somebody, you have to be prepared for that same person or someone else to put deadly force on you. And if you're not ready for that or you're in the wrong, things are going to happen. It's sad, but that's just the facts of life. The world is a violent and angry place. And listen, you do the best you can to stay safe. But it's yeah. these are the facts. This is what happens. You know, the, we don't live in this stay puffed world that the left thinks we live in where everyone's just going to get along. It's not going to happen. And we're well, not going to get into it today. Is, I don't even think it's it's quite uh, fair to say that they actually think we live in that world. They, they want to perhaps construct a world similar to that at the hands, though, of their own authoritarian rule. So right. they, they, they believe they we can get there. That's right. They think we can get there by eliminating and silencing the opposition. And and silencing would be what we see happening now. And eliminating would be uh, late term socialism and communism, which we've seen happening in, oh, I don't know, every single state, uh, nation state, that is, that, that implemented socialism and communism. You have an authoritarian regime, which then eliminates and silences those who disagree socially and politically, uh, the, the rivals. And so, so uh, it's, it's not even that they truly believe that we can all get along. They want to force us to comply. And I don't think complying is the same thing as, as getting along. You, you know what I mean? Right. And I talk about this with a lot of uh, liberals I know, the ones who are not insane, like liberals, <laughs> not leftists. And I like to make yes. that distinction as much as I yeah. can. And they're always like talking about acceptance. I'm like, you're never going to gain acceptance from everyone. Tolerance and acceptance are two different things. I can right. tolerate someone having a different opinion than me. I don't have to accept their opinion. I can yes. just uh, just disagree with it. I can tolerate it. They have the right to say it. But accepting it means that I believe that it has that it has merit. 
Just because you have an opinion doesn't mean it has merit. Tolerance is the goal so that we can get along and we're not murdering each other in the streets. But we're never going to have that like-minded, hive-mind nonsense. I mean, they're already talking about ISIS-K being ready to strike the U.S. in six months, the Taliban possibly in a year or two. We, this planet is this globalist agenda where everyone's, you know, holding hands and living under tyranny, essentially. It's never, it's never going to happen. It might, might be living under tyranny, but we won't be holding hands. That, amen to that. No, you, you're absolutely right. And, and the shift in the messaging is clear with the words that they use. What was one of the biggest chants of 2020? Uh, silence equals violence, right? Whether it's it's in terms of um, supporting uh, transgenders or BLM. Those were kind of the two ones that said, your silence equals violence. What is that saying? That's saying it's not okay to coexist anymore. It's not okay to, um, what did you say, to, to, to respect or to tolerate anymore? No, 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 no. You better be out there marching with us, waving our signs, supporting our policies. Otherwise, you're the enemy. So it's not about, you can't say, oh, hey, you, you donated to, to BLM and supported Barack Obama. Okay, good for you. It's your, your freedom to do so. I disagree. You can't do that anymore. That is violence. You have to also donate to them and also support them and vote for them Otherwise, you are quite literally, in their own words, the enemy. Because what is a person who takes violence against you? It's an enemy. That, that's what they're saying. Uh, so the messaging is, is very clear. It's very overt. Yeah, and I, what I love to tell people, and I love to see their reaction, because I, I love triggering people, is they'll <laughs> ask me about all these issues. And again, I am very libertarian in a lot of things. I really don't care as long as you're not stepping on my feet which is apparently what they want to do. They just want to step on my boots. They want to, you know, they want to just bother me all the time. What I tell people is I don't care. I don't care if you're gay. I don't care if you're trans. I don't care if you're straight. It's not my business. Yes. Leave it at home. If I'm yes. at work, I'm at work. If you're mm -hmm. at home, you're at home. Do you leave kids alone? Leave me alone. That's it. I don't care. But they take that as violence. Cause like, how can you not care? Because it doesn't affect my life. How can you not support them? They don't support me. Yeah. They, yep. they, they have they, like we don't have to support each other and everything. We <laughs> exactly. Disagree. We are allowed to disagree. Someone yeah. is allowed to believe yeah. that they were born a man, but they should have been born a woman. That's fine. They can believe that. And yep. I have the right to believe how or just ignore it. I have the right to ignore it, which is what I try to do. But the <laughs> left doesn't want you to be able to ignore it. They want you, like you said, marching with them in the streets. Otherwise, you're their enemy. Right. And there's there's one reason why you couldn't ignore it or disagree. And that's if they want an authoritarian takeover. That That's the only plausible reason why you wouldn't allow someone to peacefully disagree with you and maybe even voice that opinion in a respectable conversation. And the only reason there is, oh, you want to oppress people. You, you can dance around it all you want. You can dress it up in all the terms and all the justice terms that you want to throw before it. You want to oppress people. And that that's the truth. Um, and that's ultimately that the sad thing is that's the bottom line. I think that's the thread between everything we've talked about so far is that there's um, there's a narrative and the narrative is being used to push towards absolute takeover, absolute control, no checks and balances, oppression. 100 percent. All right. Before we get into the last topic, which is the reason why you brought you on, Luke. Um, one of our listeners on Twitch, Dark Sage, has a question for us. So, Dark Sage, if you want to ask that question, we will then do our best to answer it. Um, but while we're waiting for him to do that, um, we talk a lot on here 
about leftist goals, right? The left is trying for authoritarianism. They, you know, they went from being hippies and the counterculture <laughs> to invade, basically invading academia and doing all the, and the media and doing all these things. And they want to paint everyone as evil, right? If you don't agree yeah. with them, you are evil. That's right. Just for the folks at home, Luke, how do you deal with this on an everyday basis? Because I always tell them how I deal with it. How do you deal with it? Yeah. Oh, man. So one of the, the first thing that comes to mind is a distinction that you that you brought up, which was you have to draw a line between liberal and leftist. And they're not all crazy and they're not all authoritarian. Some of them are are our friends who have good hearts, who have been deceived um, or who, who simply just need to be reasoned with a little more. So you have to draw that line. I like to say, know when you're sparring and know when you're fighting for a championship. So when you're sparring, you're fighting with a friend, you're not necessarily trying to knock them out, you're not trying to hurt them, but you're trying to make them better and they're trying to make you better. So that's how you interact with your family members who might be liberals, with your your the kid who you grew up with who became a, a radical leftist after going to college. You try to you try to reason with them. But um, but then leftists. Um, authoritarian leftists, the people in power who know exactly what they're doing, you are fighting for a championship against them. When, you, when you're when you in public debating them, uh, when you're pushing for policies against them and them against you, um, that is a championship that you're fighting for. And, and you need to you need to um, expose them for what they are. So that's kind of my, my overview of how I view it. All right. So let's get to that. That's a great way to do it. And that's what I try to do, too. Sometimes I just ignore people or nod my head and just like. Sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So Dark Sage, I don't know if I can answer this question. Luke, I don't even know if you can answer this question <laughs> because uh, I didn't bring my uh, history textbook. While I am a very good history aficionado, I don't know how much I have in the tank about 1876. So apparently 1876 was a turning point in American history. In school, we learned that Reconstruction ended early because of what happened in that election, how Samuel Tilden was denied the presidency over Rutherford Hayes. And uh, how would America look today if 1876 had played out differently? What would Tilden have done as president? I'm not familiar with Tilden's policy package that he came in with. Do um, you have any thoughts on this, Luke? You know what? The, the, the balance between Tilden and Hayes, I, I could not pretend to, to be educated on. Uh, that that is something, though, in a similar era, though, that has a lot of repercussions to today, I can say, which is the Civil War era as a general uh, a group of, of, you could say, 50 years. Um, there were a lot of policy um, positions and policy movements, uh, things that affected states rights, interstate commerce, uh, even our military structure that that we definitely feel the echoes of today in history. But I couldn't tell you anything about Tilden, unfortunately. All right. So, I mean, I could respond to the second half of this question right here. If we're talking about um, what we're talking about in terms of uh, corruption in Washington and going against Tammany Hall, had he cleaned up the corruption in the Democrat Party, they might not have gained any type of stronghold in the early, <laughs> early 20th century. We might not have had Woodrow Wilson. We might not have had FDR. It yeah. could have been a completely different era. We could, you know, the South might never have really taken that Democrat stronghold because if you complete Reconstruction, right? They're not still bitter about the Civil War. They're not clinging on to any of that stuff. They're going out there, you know, building factories, doing all this stuff, you know, starting businesses as opposed to keeping uh, keeping an agricultural community. So it could have changed the dynamics of the South. But, you know, it's one. unfortunately, it's one of those things we're never really going to know. It's always one of those possibilities. And as far as we know, maybe Tilden doesn't do anything he said he was going to do. 
So, I mean, really, in terms of cleaning up corruption, it could have reshaped the Democrat Party in the early 20th century. It could have knocked them down a peg and taken the South away from them. But honestly, we really can't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, w- I would just add in that that the the immense power and influence of the Democrat Party, especially in the late uh, in the late 1800s and early 1900s, was overt and in your face. Um, whereas now they've kind of gone underground, right? Right now, the, the way that they show their their racism and their discrimination and their desire for raw power it is very sneaky. They're good marketers today. Back then, it was actually quite popular in in regions that they controlled. Um, and so, so I'm not sure that I have a lot of a lot of uh, belief that anyone could have cleaned that up, as his claim was. Um, I, I don't know. That seems like it would be a, a really tall order. Yeah, 100%. All right, but let's get to exactly why we had you on here, Luke. Why don't you just, I'm just going to let you go with it. Tell the folks at home the work that you've been doing uh, very, very diligently and very important. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so I I am launching a a new scholarship uh, called the Anti-Academic Racism Scholarship. So we are against academic racism. Um, And basically the the way it goes is, is like this, and it's really simple. We believe that uh, things like sex and ethnicity, race, uh, should not belong on college applications or also on, on job applications, uh, specifically for government jobs, for uh, public sector jobs. The private sector can kind of do what it wants, in my opinion. But um, but when we're talking government and especially government-funded schools, like state schools, um, they shouldn't have quotas for, for this many white students, this many black students, Hispanic students, Asian students. We see government funded uh, Ivy League schools, actually in legal battles, because they have higher or lower test scores, depending on which ethnicity you have as a background. Um, it, we see this type of stuff, which is racism. It's I actually kind of alluded to it in the sneaky path of, of the Democrats recently, is they're good marketers, and they put a nice face on it, but it's racism. It's discrimination. Uh, having a quota on how many uh, black people to white people you're allowed to have, that's a little thing called segregation. It's just dressed up. Um, so, so I don't like that. And I think that the very simple answer is take those things off of applications. It should be 100% merit-based and the school body, uh, the student body ends up being what it ends up being. If that means that, that we end up having 80% black students, 10% white students and 3% Asian, then that's what it is because that's what the merit-based system led to. So all that to say this scholarship is trying to set that standard. Um, The anti-academic racism scholarship is 100% merit-based. We don't even ask for names because there are some arguments that, well, female names and minority-sounding names, they're discriminated against. So we don't even ask for names. We give every person a number. We ask for a merit-based application that is available at joinamasa.com, J-O-I-N, amasa.com and uh and that that's how how we're we're structuring it and we hope that it catches on to to uh inspire some people to be a meritocracy which is really the only way for for free people to to judge one another in a fair manner is who are you and what have you done don't tell me about your age your sex your skin color i don't care about that garbage if we're talking about college academia a job all i care about is how good are you at what you do and that's what this is trying to preach I mean, I think that's the most important message that you could be sending out to the youth of today because we've seen affirmative action fail miserably. We've seen just all, you know, any type of, you know, system where you're trying to, the, especially the government is trying to help people, quote unquote, right? 
I talked about it last last episode that welfare isn't the solution to the problem. Welfare is the problem. Yeah. And the solution yes. is the elimination of welfare because welfare is what's keeping people poor. But we just saw it, and it's really funny that you you brought up the uh, merit based right and ignoring race and just not wanting to have anything to do with it. Um, the NFL, there in their uh, infinite leftist wisdom, has now <laughs> improved in their mind the Rooney Rule. And for those of you who don't know, the Rooney Rule is that um, anytime there is a coaching vacancy in the NFL, a team must interview at least one Afri uh, minority outside hire. <laughs> so someone outside the organization, you have to interview them. Which again, if I'm bringing, if I'm just, if I know, right, let's say I want to hire John Harbaugh. I know John Harbaugh yeah. is the guy that I need to hire. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to bring a dude in for an interview. You really yeah. think I'm going to give him like the best interview? He doesn't have a shot. Yep. So again, there is there is importance in getting interviews and practicing and going in and speaking to people, but like you're not really having a shot. Yes. And so what they did to improve it was instead of interviewing one, now you have to interview <laughs> two because it didn't work the first time. So now you yeah. have to interview two. It's it's just it's a game to them. It's it it's the it's the meme with um it's a game. Yeah, it, yep. it's the I'm helping. Look, I'm helping. It's like the, I'm wearing a mask in a car. I'm helping. You're not helping. You're not doing yep. anything. You're yes. doing it to look like That's you are right. helping. In reality, you're not doing anything to push these coaches forward. Because if you really wanted to to help, okay. help elevate minority coaches, right, you really wanted to play that game. Set up workshops for minority coordinators where they can go and learn from other head coaches how to be a head coach out in the offseason, right? Instead of because during the year, you're your your focus is on the team. You know, you yeah. some people can learn yeah. by watching, but some people might need some extra help, but they're not doing that. It's oh, interview two minority candidates. It, it's a joke. Yes. It's virtue signaling. It's it's a virtue signaling joke where you know over here you're doing something that looks good and sounds good. And over here, though, Democrats love to use and abuse the minority vote, um, whether it's something like BLM that takes money from minorities and puts almost nurse because they've got most of the media on their side. They're able to do the other bad stuff with this hand and there's no spotlight shined on it. So so absolutely. And just one other one other note on, on our scholarship is uh, it's not just for colleges. This is another thing I like to try and hammer home. Um, it's also for trade and vocational schools. Uh, because I, I'm a big believer in, look, I love college. I went to college. It was great for me. It's not for everybody. And people in your and my generation, Evan, we were kind of taught um, that if you want to make something of yourself, you go to college. You, you get $80,000 in debt and you go to college, right? Um, but that's not necessarily true. It's great for some people, just like the military, great for some people, not for everybody. Um, and trade and vocational schools, in my opinion, as a teenager, I heard them kind of treated as a, uh, you don't want to be a plumber, right? You don't want to be one of those, those blue collar blacksmith, you know, one of those house builders. They're, they were like, like losers. Like we, we viewed them in, in a, like a caste system or something. Um, and that's nonsense. Many of those people are not only brilliant, but they make more money than most of the, the kids who I went to college with. Um, so, so all that to say, we, we also want to open that up where the, the scholarship is also applicable, not just to colleges, but to trade and vocational schools, which I respect and value. I think, I think that's amazing. I think it's extremely important, especially pushing trade and vocational schools. Um, because again, they treat, we, again, when I was in high school, it's the same thing. It was treated as, oh, 
you are you dumb? Like you're gonna go to trade school? You can't go to college? Like it was what college did you get into? And in reality, unless you're going for a career that requires college, why are you going to college? Yes. And I see yes. now they do the same thing. They push college on all these kids. And the kids that I work with, most of them will never be ready for college. They can't yes. do it. So stop yeah. talking to them about college and start talking to them about realistic things where they make a good living without going to college because you can do it. You just you need job training. You need to have a skill. You can't be an unskilled worker working at McDonald's. One person left working at McDonald's because it's all going to be automated now. Now they're talking about automating the drive through. OK, you'll be the one person who's there to make sure that the computers don't blow up and making twelve dollars, making fifteen dollars an hour when you're 45 years old and inflation sky high and yeah. gas is 17 dollars a gallon. And the robot, you know, the robot overlord Joe Biden is still president because, you know, we, we gave up on this country. It, it's not going to work that way. So, you know, prepare yourself for the future. And and Evan and I are both in uh, in cell block C at, at the Gulag, uh, run run by the leftists. <laughs> uh, but but no, that's that's something that's respectable that you that you can do. You can make a life of, and uh, and I think that we need to encourage kids to do that. And if I if I may go back to more of my theories about why the system is structured, how it's structured, um, one of the big reasons that we had the major push for public school. And then a straight pipeline into state colleges is because they're indoctrination camps. Frankly, they were taken over by the left in the 70s um, and with the ball started rolling actually before that. But the 70s was a real big push for it um, for liberal professors, liberal funded colleges um, where our conservative tax dollars are going towards these colleges because they're taxpayer funded and they are going to indoctrinate your kids there. And then what happened? Again, we come back to, like I said, the left is, is great at marketing. Then they said, it's about education. So you give us 12 years with your kid in public school, and that's not enough. Then we'll take them for four more years, and we'll make them into real SJWs in, in our colleges. Um, it, was all, it was all part of a plan, man. Absolutely. Um, and and uh, that's, that's, again, something that, that I stand against. Yeah, and they're not, e they're not even done yet. Now they're trying to get them at three years old. They're yeah. like, three, 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 three through pre-K. Let's just yeah. do that. And yeah, then now right. you can't even do anything with a bachelor's anyway. So, you know, now you need a master's. Pretty soon yeah. it's going to be, you need a doctorate. And guess what? As soon as the baby's born, we throw them into a school. They put the screen in front of their face. They have all the images of, you know, mm -hmm. rainbow flags or whatever the hell they want to push on them. It doesn't even matter to me. I don't really care. Again, I just want to be left alone. They won't be alone. I don't understand it. I want to live my life. You live your life over there. I'll stay over here. But they don't want that. But, Amen. um... Luke, I want to thank you once again for coming on the show. I think you're doing great work. I think it's very important um, to help, to, to give people help. I think people do need help. People do need a leg up sometimes. But I don't believe that it should come from the government. I do believe it should come from people with good hearts like you. And I think that when people who understand what merit is, when hard work is, are in charge of things like this, I think then it becomes something good as opposed to the government where it's, I want your vote. So yes. I don't really care if it ends up being good for you. I want it to seem like it's good for you, but in reality, it's good for me. Yeah, and, and I couldn't agree more, man. And so if, if anyone wants to read more about that or about some of the other work I'm doing, join Amasa.com, J-O-I-N-A-M-A-S-A.com. You can apply for the scholarship or you can also donor uh, donate and be a donor to the scholarship fund. Because like Evan just pointed out, 
this isn't this isn't something that we do for votes. This isn't a taxpayer funded expedition. Uh, this is actually something that is given to by people who want to give to it. And I think that that is in an entirely different league than than, you know, the government putting a gun to your head and saying, we will redistribute your money in a way that's moral because we say so. And you'll buy into it because we want you to when we hold the weapons. I think that's disgusting. That's not what this is. And uh, and, and that that's the contrast. 100%. So, Luke, again, join Masa.com, guys. But, Luke, uh, tell people where else they can find you on the Internet if they want, wish to follow you on the social medias as long as you're still yeah, there. Yeah, so I am uh, I'm most active at, um, at RealLukeNegron on Instagram, R-E-A-L-L-U-K-E-N-E-G-R-O-N. Um, and then I believe the handle's the same on TikTok. I'm pretty active there. Uh, Twitter is, uh, I believe, uh, it, it's linked on, on Instagram. So that's probably that. That's the hub where you can get the most information. Yeah, I'm too old for TikTok, so I won't be on there. <laughs> guys, definitely make sure you give Luke a follow. And make sure, guys, make sure you follow us on Facebook. Again, our page is being threatened with deletion due to bogus fact checks. We talked about it last week. I got fact checked on the uh, the IRS or people thinking that they need to monitor transactions over $600. I was fact checked, threatened with deletion. And then Nancy Pelosi confirmed that they were looking <laughs> to monitor transactions. So no apology from Facebook yet. I'm still waiting. Don't think I'm going to get it. Follow us on Instagram at underscore Empire State Conservatives on Twitter at Empire State Cons. And once again, our website, EmpireStateConservatives.com. There are links to the podcast there, the links to Red Liberty Media and all of our merchandise, which once again, all that money goes back into help spreading conservatism in New York, which we made a really good push in 2020, guys. President Trump was creeping up on that 50% mark, but the fight is not over. The, the fight for governor is coming up. We cannot allow Kathy Hochul to remain in office. Oh, my God, that woman is completely insane with her Vax necklace. It's <laughs> just, just terrifying. But, guys, everybody, until next time, let's go, Brandon, and don't let fear take your freedom. Mm -hmm.